Listen to ordinary people who lead extraordinary lives. Their leadership styles forever impressed in the hearts and minds of people, be it in their professions, personal life, and or in communities by being an example of greatness. Be inspired by these personal stories and prepare to be both moved and motivated as Maurice Manley II, the serial entrepreneur, interviews present and future icons. Challenge yourself to recognize the leader that lives within so that you may continue to grow and experience amazing things in life. We are all capable of leadership. Take charge and lead up. This is episode 11, A Life Written to Lead, author, socialite, and businesswoman, Miranda Bowden Parker, explains how she creates a life of love and abundance. Writing stories provides her with an expressive outlet so that she may stretch her mind and abilities in ways beyond her imagination. Listen as we dive into her best story yet. Ladies and gentlemen, I now introduce to you Miranda Bowden Parker. Welcome everybody to another episode of Lead Up. This is 2019, my first episode for the new year. I wish everyone peace, blessings, and prosperity for this new year. Amen to that. I have with me today a very, very special guest, someone that's near and dear to my heart. She's an entrepreneur, a hard worker, an author, a mother, a wife. Uh, what else are you? She's a a writer. Right. She's a traveler, world traveler. She's a sister. She does it all. She is great. She's brilliant, highly intelligent great stories to tell and she's the life of the party always Miranda <laughs> Bowden Parker hello thank you for coming on the show yes uh, so excited to have you we we have a lot to discuss you have so much you've always had a lot happening in your life yes. since we were kids <laughs> you've always been high energy very much everybody knows you yeah. Everybody knew you back then. And I would sit back, you didn't know it, but I would admire you like, how is she so just out there? Right. <laughs> you know, because I was real reserved. I knew people, but. Yeah, you, you knew everybody too. Yeah, but I wasn't <laughs> out there. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. You said, hey, you know, everybody. That's definitely my personality. Yeah, I know, still is. Still is. Yes. It don't change. Right. You wrote a book. Yes. Called Kaylin. Yes. That was, what, 2012? 2014. 2014. Yep. Your first book. My first book. Congratulations <laughs> on that. That's a Thank big step. you. That was a big step. But you wrote, but you. Well, that was your first published book. Yes. But you wrote a book when you were like 12 or 14, something like that. Yeah. About some vegetables. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) The mushrooms that took over the world? Yes, absolutely. I've been writing since kindergarten. Um, I had a really amazing teacher at Carthay um, who just instilled this love of reading, writing, my using my full imagination and um from that moment on i i love writing short stories i loved writing short stories but then my uncle had this computer commodore 64 uh-huh. i'm never gonna forget it and he was like you could type and you could write your whole story on here and i wrote like a mini book I guess nowadays it would be, uh, you know, not even quite a novella, maybe like a children's book because it was like 14 or 15 pages. Um, And my dad still has it in his big old Bible at his house. (laughs) And I've always done that. You can walk around my house and find a thousand different journals and notebooks and they all have... Uh, short stories in them or on my computer on every computer I've ever worked with (laughs) there's always stories everywhere that's amazing yeah 
and you stuck with it. I stuck with it. Because, you know, a lot of kids, we, we start off doing something that is a passion or that we like or we love, yeah. but then it fades. It does. How did you maintain that? I think I've always used stories as a way to deal with situations in life. So if I'm going through a hard time, my stories are dark. Um, if I'm going through a good time, my stories are still dark, but they're funny, they're full of love, they're edgy, you know, those kind of yeah. things. But they've always just given me a way to kind of escape whatever it is I'm dealing with. Um, and uh, when I was young, my mom used to be like, you're the greatest liar ever. And I'm like, I'm a storyteller. And my dad used to be like, stop telling all them stories. And it was more so, it is just things I made up in my mind to, I, I think most writers make stuff up in their mind to cope and create. Um, so for years though, there were times where I wouldn't pick up a pen at all. And then there would be other times where I wrote constantly all the time really? yeah and that was consistent throughout your life consistent throughout so my life everything I, i've never stopped i mean even in college i would write and write and write and write and i i wanted to do so many different things with it like plays and movies i'm really into the theater like theater has been my life since i was really young wow but it's something that i'm like oh it's it's not my foray or it's not what you expect of miranda in my mind and um i think your passions are the the one thing and fear that you usually talk yourself out of the most so it's easy to write something and keep it tucked away and you guys can find it when i'm dead and i'll be like the greatest <laughs> author and poet and playwright ever kind of like how they say they found um steve jobs before he died yeah he wrote this man not a manuscript but these letters yeah and you really People laugh about this all the time. I don't believe in journals. And the reason why is because I feel like you're your most vulnerable when you write in them. Diaries, journals, etc. right? Okay. And because I'm also like into horror movies, killers, thrillers, all of that stuff, I watch a lot of like investigative ID, those things. Right. They always bring out your journal and they're like, see what she wrote? I'm just mad on that day. I'm not a killer on that day. I mean, maybe later. <laughs> But this is one reason I don't want anybody find my journals. So you can find my my stories, and they'll pretty much tell you what I was going through during right, right, right during that period. It's, it's kind of like music. Yes, it's parallel. Exactly, exactly. No one likes Happy Mary J. Blige. No one does. Very true. But get her when she's sad, and some stuff is going on. Divorce, man, drugs. I think I've listened to my life like a million times in my life. <laughs> So, yeah. So true. What's your secret recipe for creating a magnificent experience for yourself and others? Because you do it well. Yeah. You, you create great experiences. <laughs> I, th I think my secret recipe is I create something that I know I would enjoy. And if I will enjoy it, mm -hmm. And I know the people around me enough to know that they enjoy doing things with me. Then I feel like it's a no, you know, no lose situation. But it really takes some thought process as far as what age and what mindset we're in. Because in my 30s, early 30s, it was all about the fun. It was the party. And it was because I escaped all of that in my 20s. Like, I didn't do it. So in the 30s, it was like, okay, well, let's have some fun. Let's go out. Let's dance. Let's party. I don't want it to be anything more than that. Then as I got a little bit older, like 35, 36, it became, I want to enjoy the intimate experience of being around people. And that is actually getting to talk to somebody getting to have that few moments in the backyard or at a dinner party or something else where I'm actually getting to say, I had a conversation with you last night. Mm -hmm. uh, even in the midst of all this fun, I enjoyed you for a few minutes because people don't do that anymore. Right. And not, now I'm too old. I don't want to be recovering from a party for like 38 years. I'm still recovering from some party two weeks ago because I just don't have the, the mental capacity for just those um, 
I don't know how, how you even call it. I don't want to say fake experiences, but the experiences that don't leave you with anything. They don't leave you with a memory of anything other than we danced last night versus man you know I talked to them they're they're want to have this dream they're doing this or they're going through this and it was like a, an, a true personal connection and I think that's the secret recipe is that I'm always looking for the personal connection with people okay always so even during the fun the dancing the party it was a way for you to connect even if you didn't have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation yes. with others. It's always a way to connect. It's always because I think we take these periods in our life where we, we disconnect from people mm -hmm. and from things and from experiences and from life almost. We're just doing the normal things that we show up for every day, right? You get up in the morning, you go to work, you take care of the kids, you pay your bills, you come back home and repeat. We all have done that at one point yes. in our life. And those, that's a disconnect from what real life is because in those moments of those, you know, in those, in those years that we disconnect, there's all these moments that we're not connected to, but that drove us through those years or, you know, or pushed us through those years. Their energy pushed us through those years and we forgot about them until somebody reminds us or until we take the time to kind of just step back and say, hey, let me enjoy this. I love moments where I never touch my phone. And that's rare for me. Most people know if you need me, that phone is in my hand vibrating. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it, it drives me bananas. I literally got sick at one point because my phone would give me such anxiety because it would constantly go off. Even if it wasn't work related. Even if it wasn't. If it was it was um, connected. And, and I know part of it is because I wasn't near my phone when um, my sister passed away. And they were calling me. So now my phone has this, it's, it's bigger than life, right? It's, I've made it bigger than life. Mm -hmm. And it's a trigger. And it's a bad one. But I love those moments when, when I don't think about it. I love those moments. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Especially if, if the phone itself is a trigger to something in your past. Exactly. You definitely would be like, no, I don't, I don't even want to deal with that. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so interesting because, you know, we all have those triggers. Right. And not uh, 90, maybe 95% of the population don't even realize what those triggers are. Exactly. And I didn't. I didn't so know. How long did it take you to realize what that? I ended up in the hospital. Like literally. You getting sick. I got sick like my heart. It, I was having. It allowed you to see that this is related to my sister. And it was the weirdest moment because the doctor was like, okay, well, you seem to be fine. And, you know, everything is okay. And then my phone vibrated. And it was like they had these little things connected to me. And they're like, mm -mm. And it was like my heart was like, Vroom. And he said, what the, f you know, even, I mean, the doctor was like, what the, f it just happened. Wow. And I was like, and he was like, you're, you can't even sleep. He wrote on my, you know, discharge papers, the phone cannot be plugged in in the room. It can't be anywhere in the room. And literally, I saw my anxiety. I saw my worry level. I saw everything go down. As long as I knew my daughter was home. Yes. And I knew, like, my parents, I had that stupid do not disturb thing on my phone now where if they call more than once within 30 seconds, it'll ring loud, right? Yeah. So outside of that, I really don't need it. But I know that that's an emotional trigger because of what I went through with my sister. Yeah. And still now, people be like, listen, if you ever get in trouble, call Miranda. She, she going to answer her phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I will. Now, you, you've also, with all these great things that you do, always had a job. Always. Always transition from one job to the, to the next with ease. Always. And typically, <laughs> from my recollection, it got better. Every time you <laughs> and I remember saying to you, you may not remember, it's like, how do you... Yeah. <laughs> People still ask me that to this day. I don't know. Is, 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 that, a, is that a mindset that you have? It is. is it, okay, so let's talk about that mindset. What is it? I don't have a limited... I don't have a limiting personality. So you can't tell me I'm not going to be able to do something. And if I get my mindset on it, I'm like, oh, 
oh, I'm going to, like, let's just take this on, mm -hmm. right? So I even looked at that as when I started to be able to work. Um, like, I got my first job, then I was like, oh, well, that job is better. Well, let me just go and apply. Go in. I had this, I mean, I'm going to say, this winning personality, right? Got that job, then got that job. But it was also there was a site that I had for myself. Okay. Um, and it was that if I'm the only person every day that I'm competing against is me. Right. Yeah. And so I needed to make sure that I was somewhere that made me feel like I was competing against myself every day. And wow. I, I'll never forget a conversation I had with my dad. I was working this job and, um, I was miserable. And my dad said, if you get up, for more than five days and you are miserable all five of those days it's time to go and I have used that premise in every part of my life now a lot obviously is a lot longer than five days but I will instantly start looking in a heartbeat if it's if it feels like I am doing a damage to myself I only got one life true tomorrow I mean if I die I can't say well I was gonna do that because right. I'm dead, right? You can't come and ask me. Right, right. So it's like, well, I'm going to just go after it. But I, I think the choices that I make with regards to my career have a lot to do with the fact that I, I see myself climbing. And I think a lot of people stop when they get to a certain place of complacency. Like, this is easy. This works. It pays. You know, I get to come home. I don't have no... I can take two-hour lunches. I can do all of this mm -hmm. stuff. But then I was like, well, I can just sit at home and do that. Right. You know? Right, right. I can sit in some miserable job and do that every day. And they really get more time than me. I mean, then I get with myself. They get eight hours. I come home, got to go to sleep, get up yeah. in the next morning. So why not at least be a little bit happy where I am during those so eight I hours? I want to on something. You, you said something earlier, and I think it's key for those for people that can't or don't really grasp the understanding of that internal self-confidence and going to that next level. You say you make sure you put yourself in situations where you compete against yourself. Exactly. All the time. How do you do, like, how do you compete against you? Like, and how do you, so that's one question. The okay. Other is how do you put yourself in a position or a situation to ensure that you do that every time? The first thing is, in order to compete with myself, I have to be learning every day. Okay. So if you ever see me looking bored, it's not true. I'm reading something. I am learning something. I am researching something. Like, and it's only because if I, the more knowledge that I have, the better position I'm in to put myself in another situation because if somebody asks me hey do you know anything about this I you know I'll lie in a minute yeah I know everything I'll be at home like <laughs> I'll learn it on Google in 10 minutes right but a lot of people don't do that a lot of people right. will just say no or or they'll say they'll they'll have the capacity to do the same thing that I did but they'll they're so afraid of failing right. and in my mind if you fail but you tried you already won right mm -hmm. because you you at least you tried effort. it you put the effort and that's competing against myself that means that if I do really good I won right if I don't at least I got the knowledge to be able to go to the next time wherever that is and say Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do it this time. Right. I'm going to be successful the next time. And in my mind, success has nothing to do with the reward at the end. It really is my own reward inside of knowing like I did this, right? So when I was 29, I said, I don't care if it's December 31st of my 30th year, I will own a house. And it required so much sacrifice in between there, but it was also was, I'm not sacrificing who I am or what I want my life to look like right. so instead of the parties being outside and me going out the parties were at my house okay. come over let's hang out y'all bring something to the table we we can all hang out at my house but the money that I got to save is gonna stay right there so right. that my I can reach my goal and that was competing could Miranda give uh I mean could Miranda still live the life and do what she said she was gonna do mm. and in my mind I had to say that to myself in like this third party weirdness yeah right and, and kind of challenge yourself put yourself in an awkward position to see if you can get out of it 
and that was hella awkward because I don't <laughs> I am the worst when it comes to saving money mm-hmm. for certain things because I'm like because eh. I talk to people about this and a lot of people say well I only have one life to live and I'm not going to shortchange myself and I need to have these experiences and I'm like but here's your goal and right. you want it you have to sacrifice somewhere well right. yeah I know but it'll happen and and I'm always challenged because I'm trying to figure out is that fear is it um, self sabotage I think it, I don't is think it it's any of that I, you know what in all honesty I don't think it's any of that I honestly think people fool themselves into goals elaborate so uh, a good friend of mine named Jasmine did this event called lifted and mm-hmm. in the in the lifted thing you write out 10 goals right and they didn't they weren't quantifiable goals like you didn't put a number or a year to them but they were goals in themselves whatever it was even if it was just I want to get married not I want to get married in five years right let's yeah, say that yeah. you wrote out these 10 goals then you you had to weigh this goal versus that goal then this goal versus this goal then mm-hmm. this goal versus that goal by the end of it the people's first five goals that was like i want to have a new job i want to write a book i want to travel the world none of those really mattered compared to the ones that were truly real for them and it was like i want to sleep in on sundays Mm. the the most beautiful experiences were those minute goals i want to color with my daughter every night I want to cook dinner for my husband. It was the most small, it was the smallest things. So people have these lofty giant goals that they tell you are their goals. And in in actuality, they weren't. They're they're not their real goals. Yeah, they didn't resonate. And that's why, yeah, that's why they can't do the sacrifice for it. My sacrifice for my house was I wanted to give my daughter a house. And I wanted that to show myself, okay, you can have something mm-hmm. that was yours, that is yours, that you get to enjoy every single day. Yeah. It was worth every bit of that sacrifice. Every bit of that sacrifice. But then I had people who were always saying, Miranda, I want to travel with you. Okay. And here the time comes, you're like, come on. I'm, I'm and they're on. like, nah, I'd rather go out and pop bottles this weekend. It, okay. Exactly. I'm out though. Just remember, right. I'm not stopping for anybody yeah. ever. And it really drives some people nuts because they'll be like, well, you could have just, no, nah, you could just, because mm-hmm. this is my life the same way you say it's your life, right? Yeah. I only got one life to live. I only have one life to live. The biggest fear in the world was writing my book. And I talked myself out of it. I threw that in the trash so many times. Really? I put it on a bench. It sat there for a year. I started writing that book in 2011. 2013 I sent it to 10 beta readers 10 people that just read I would say 60% of the book was to test the book to test the book Mm -hmm. everybody was like oh my god it's so great and people were like oh my god this part sucks you know so I had some work to do blah 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 and I'll never forget January 2014 a really good friend of mine hit me up and she was like so are we gonna find out what the end of the book is and I was like I gotta finish this shit. <laughs> and I really didn't want to. Wait a minute. So you wrote the book without the ending? I did a beta test. I was like, I don't wanna write no more. I hate this stupid book. It's requiring too much of me. All of this. And, and it's so funny because so many people in my life have said, like, I'm not reading no more of your stuff until there's an ending or until you do something with it. Because I didn't want to do anything with it. I just want to write because I enjoy it. And I don't want that happiness to be taken away from me of enjoying it because I'm forced mm-hmm. to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was so glad that my friend reached out to me because it, it was true. Like, I really wanted to publish and write this book. And I was like, what am I afraid of? And the fear was, it's going to suck. And somebody's going to say it's going to suck. And I will never forget the first time I got the bad review. And I was like, (laughs) even though I had a a hundred good reviews, it didn't matter. That first bad review, I was ready to blow up Amazon. Because you were expecting that from the beginning anyway. I was expecting it was going to suck ass. Right. The whole book. That that validated that. Yeah. It was like, see, I knew this book sucked. So even in that process, were you putting yourself in a position to, like we said earlier, to kind of grow? Oh. Even though in, inwardly, 
you felt that it was going to suck. Mm-hmm. You felt it, you were looking for the bad reviews. Yep. And you were you had that fear, which is why you didn't write the end. Right. <laughs> but in that moment where you weren't writing the end, right. Would you say you were positioning yourself to compete against yourself? Oh yeah. Without the end. Yep. A hundred percent because writing has always been something that's come so easily to me because I enjoy it and I love it and it's just it's ingrained in who I am right I can write anything anything you ask me if it's creative if it's technical if it's anything I love the whole aspect of writing writing a book was completely different that requires strategy that requires outlining that requires in-depth thought Mm -hmm. because I can write a short story in two pages and you understand it you got to write a whole 200 pages yeah and this is like why I don't want to do that that's a lot it's work and because it's something that comes so natural to me I didn't want the work side of it I didn't want to think it out. It took the fun away. It took the fun away. It took the, I need to go back and read it. I need to flush it out. I need to, and and I will even say this, even at the end, it was 95% work, 5% laziness because there were things that I should have done. I should have gone back. I should have, you know, done my own editing again, those kind of things. But it was like, I'm done. I'm done. The book is here. I've never picked it. I've never picked Caitlin up again. After you wrote it. And everybody was like, just pick it up again. You know, there's little things you could clean up, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, no, no. That goal, that desire is done. Behind you. It's, it's, I've, I've moved on. I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> but I probably should pick it back up. <laughs> you will. In the, uh, yeah. In the right time. Yeah. How would you say your, your, experiences and relationships that have cultivated your life presently? They're a huge part of my life. Huge part of my life. Like, my best friends have been my best friends since I was like 10, 11, 12, you know, whatever. Um, My friends, my friend group has, we've been friends almost 30 years, Mm -hmm. right? Um, even my husband, I mean, I met him in third grade, right? So these are cultivated relationships. Now, my adult relationships have definitely been um, eye-opening for me. And they, and it's because... Plus positive or... Both. Both positive and negative because I rely a lot on my friendships and my relationships knowing me. And I don't feel that I've changed a lot over the years as far as who I am ingrained, like my my core, who my core is. Um, Like, you you know Miranda from the core, right? That's who you know. So adult relationships, though, usually come from somebody learning you from that point forward. And so they don't have the benefit of knowing you when you had nothing, right? Or backstory or knowing about your family or any of those. And that's why I stick so close to that core Mm -hmm. and stick so close to my family. So when I do have an adult relationship and I have to cultivate it, it is the choice of... Do I let them know the secrets? Do I let them know who I am, like, Mm -hmm. underneath? Or do they know that? Do they even want to know that? Right. Do they care? Right. And um, so in the bad way is some people want the fun. They want the Miranda that they saw, that they met at 30, right? Like, hey, we're going out. We're traveling. We're doing this, this, and this, and that. But they don't want any of the parts that don't don't feel warm and fuzzy. Mm Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, girl, I'll hang out with you then. You know, like, call me when you're feeling better kind of things versus uh, if I'm not feeling good, one of my friends coming over sitting on the couch, you know, underneath a blanket and we're not talking. She's on one side, I'm on the other side, or he's on one side, and we're just, you're just there to lend that shoulder. And I, those are the most important relationships in the world to me Mm -hmm. because we don't have to say anything. So as an adult, I, I, am fiercely protective of the friendships and the relationships that I can cultivate that are you want to know who the real me is right if you don't want to know who Miranda is good bad dressed up in sweats you don't really want to be around because I don't like fake nothing right makes sense nothing (laughs) 
Non-GMO friends, okay. <laughs> what's, what's the most valuable, I'm going to say thing, I don't want to say lesson, but just thing that you've learned thus far uh, in your life, through your journey of life? What's your biggest takeaway right now? Words are so powerful. It has been a lesson since I was probably five years old, the first time I've ever heard my dad tell me, like, your mouth can be your greatest asset or your worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And it is tattooed on my neck. It is the thing that I live by every single day. Um, you can seriously destroy somebody with your mouth like you could say the wrong thing and you never know how much it affected someone yeah or you could say the right thing and completely change somebody's outlook aspect even like just their heart on something and change their world mm -hmm. um and it's been something that has definitely changed my world um i have lost things because of things that i've said i have gained a million things because of things that i've said but i'm so careful i am so very careful um but at the same time i'm very very truthful now like i said when i was growing up people would be like yo you lie or you tell stories or whatever like that and it was my own way of crafting what i wanted people to see based on what was going on in my life. But now as an adult, I'm, I really don't care. Right. Um, so how much does intent have to do with the use of words? You know, because we all give these words meaning, right? And we have a perception about the words. And sometimes we can have a positive word, but someone perceive it negatively. Right. And we, so if you have a positive word, a positive intention, but negative reception. The reception has nothing to do with you. Correct, but the intention. So is is the intention more powerful than the actual word itself? Mm. Or is it solely just these alphabets that are put together to make this one word? I, I feel like it's strictly the words because it, it, no one can... People can completely misdrew your intention. And you could say up front, I'm saying this with all the love in my heart. Mm -hmm. You're whack, right? right. <laughs> and you said it up front with all the love with of your heart. And yeah, they, all they heard was, I'm whack. And not the reasoning behind it. You could give them a million lists, why, you know, whatever. It all comes down to what they're ready to receive in that moment. Right, but if they don't know what the word whack means... It's what they're ready to receive. Okay, because so, some people so won't is, even ask. So, so the words are about reception, yeah. not just the word. It, it's more, it's, it has everything to do with reception. Because if I said something to you, and let's say I said, Maurice, this is an amazing podcast. I can't wait to see what you do with it. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of you. You could easily say, my friend supports me, right? Right. She's dope. I love her. Or you could be like, she I'm grown. Smoke. Right. I'm grown. I don't need nobody to be proud of me. Or she's blowing smoke up my butt because I'm interviewing her. Right. All I said was my words. <laughs> right. And you done come up with three different scenarios. Exactly. And it happens all the time. Every single day. Every single day. And that's why I go back to... You have to be around people who understand who you are in order to understand the way that I'm saying something. A good friend of mine always says, Miranda will lift you all the way up. I mean, tear you all the way down, then bring you right back up before she walks away. Because it is, that's completing my intention. My intention is to tell you the truth, but it's not to leave you broken unless I want to. <laughs> then I can do that. She will cut you. Right. But... It, it, the reception is everything. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Somebody could easily say something. We've had the biggest conversation about the words, and that's why I used it. The biggest conversation about the words, I'm proud of you. Some people are like, I am 40-some years old. I don't need nobody to be proud of me, especially not no other adult. And I'm like, weird. I want you to be proud of me. Please do. 
because I'm out here working hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I need somebody. Give me my value. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Pat me on my back because it don't happen often. So it, it, it definitely comes down to reception. Yeah. Where is the reception? And you have to deliver it. Certain people cannot hear anything unless it's delivered right. Like there are friends I can be completely 100% just blunt with. Yeah. You know, bitch, well, get it together. They know you. Right. Or I could say that to another person and they'll be like, Loretta was so mean to me. And I'm like, no, I was yeah, doing, give, I delivered that with love. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what things have renewed your joy and peace within? And do you focus on being happy or is that your natural disposition? My natural disposition is happy. <laughs> um, but I will definitely say my relationship with God um, I like I pray I talk to him like I'm talking to you mm -hmm. um, I do like my thought process a lot is around um, my blessings like what I have received in life and I think that is what has brought me so much joy because even if there's a whole bunch of pain in your life but you're still moving forward you're still receiving you're still in like just a blessed place I don't really see my happiness. I mean, you somebody being able to take that happiness away from me because yeah. I'm still moving forward, right? Um, my daughter gives me so much joy just watching a little version of myself, and then she is completely not me. Yeah. In a lot of ways, she is not social <laughs> at all. She don't like no. people, right? <laughs> And it's so different. And my husband, because that is, we are complete opposites in personality. He is complete calm. And I am complete storm. <laughs> thunderstorms. <laughs> rains, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm coming through. Everybody in there. Right? Yeah. And he's just like, okay, that's enough. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my family, my family keeps me hella grounded. Yeah. Hella grounded because they know they you know they knew me before brushes yeah. existed so they're yeah. like okay that's enough you're not a star go away okay. <laughs> um, and that brings me so much it brings me so much peace and joy to know that there are like really like maybe like four thousand people that really know me mm -hmm. like really know me yeah. yeah like I could literally they could be like Miranda come on. And, and I would say, oh, my God, because this person really knows me. You could say that. You could be like, come on. We know. Uh, uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> and that, is, that, to me, has been, like, the biggest blessing in everything that I've done in my life. Everywhere that I've gone, every success, every failure is knowing that there is somebody behind me that can ground me real quick. Mm -hmm. um, and that's all. Like, that's, to me, at the end of the day, I would be happy with just that. Yeah. Yeah, we all need people that can check us. It's so word. great. Some of you guys might not like that word, check. Right, you can check. We mean it in Right. <laughs> Saying this with all the love all in my love. heart. I will check you. <laughs> what, what are you more excited about? Who you are right now or who you're becoming? Who I'm becoming. Mm. Ooh. Lord. The 40 <laughs> is creeping. And I have taken some major chances on myself major chances on myself in the last year and two. I've always done it, but those risks were calculated in where I wanted to be by now. And right? These, these new ones are? These are I have to work for this. This mm. is not something none of what I'm doing right now is something that is easily coming. I am actually having to actively like search and go out and work and put myself in almost uh uh what do you call them entry level situations mm. and it's so weird because i'm used to just walking in and being like ooh i'm so smart you know yeah. give me a chance and then the stand yeah this the chance happens whereas now i'm sitting there next to five other people that are just as hungry probably younger than me 
probably no there no one has more energy than me but i'm ready and and i'm excited every day i'm excited like i wake up in the morning and i'm like ooh but then i'm 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 so afraid too and it's been the biggest most fearful time of my life i've had to admit out loud how afraid i am of failing in this situation because it is something that i love doing I love writing, right? Mm -hmm. I love telling stories. I love all of this. I love production. I love movies. I love theater. Like I said earlier, I could easily fail at all of that. And then I have to go back and do something else. And I'm like, "Mm, well, that's not going to be fun. (laughs) So I'm ready for this next chapter in my life to just, hey, give me every chance. And every chance that I get, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take it. And I'm going to run and I'm going to give 150% into it. I don't care what it requires of me. I don't care what it requires of me. I mean, and I had serious major, major neck surgery this year, spine surgery. And in a month, I was like forcing myself okay you got to get back up you got to get your mind right you got to do this because i can't i'm i'm not going to limit myself i'm not i'm not going to let anything limit me Mm -hmm. and so i'm so ready i'm so afraid and i'm so ready and that's what pushes me that's what pushes me like oh my god it is the most beautiful i think emotion ever because Fear will drive you to seriously kind of go inside and yeah. pull out whatever stamina, adrenaline you got, whatever you got. Like, come on, I'll be in the bathroom pumping myself up sometimes like, okay, <laughs> just walk in here and kill it. And if you don't, pretend like you did. Right. <laughs> Tell that story to yourself. <laughs> that, exactly. Exactly. I pump myself up every day. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I hope somebody is listening and can benefit from this. I hope so, too. If you had the opportunity to talk to your seven-year-old self, what would you tell her? And what gift would you leave with her? Ooh, seven. Seven. <sighs> gift I would leave with her? Mm-hmm. Like... Is this a physical gift or anything? It's up to you. I would, to my seven-year-old self, I would leave my book as a gift. And I will say, you're going to do it, right? If I could tell her anything, it would be that people are going to disappoint you enough don't disappoint yourself mm-hmm. say, that, it again. <laughs> say it again I need to hear that people are going to disappoint you enough don't disappoint yourself that's awesome yeah that's what I would tell her that's a, that's, thank you that's a good message to tell you your younger you yeah Ooh, seven, Lord. Right? Can I just go back to the seven-year-old skin? (laughs) And I say seven because that's, I believe, that's where we are all, that's our basis. Yeah. At seven. Yeah. You know, Hitler said, you know, give me your children from zero to six. I'll give them back to you. They're not going to be yours when I give them back. Right. Because by seven... We're set. Yeah, you're molded. Mm-hmm. Your personalities come in. Your chorus come in. Because you can see, I mean, you. we've all met really bad little, I don't know, omen babies. Mm-hmm. That's what I call them. And I'm like, that's their core. That's who they are. Yes. And it's so, people get mad at me when I say this. I don't believe people can change who they are at their core. Totally agree. And a lot of people, but everybody can change. You cannot change who you are at your core. So either you learn to accept it and you learn to how to maneuver Mm -hmm. around the things that are bad about your core, right? In your mind. These are the negative aspects of your core. Um, Or you're going to spend a lifetime not being you. Right. Because it's something you can't control. Like in who I am. I know I'm extremely impulsive, but I know I love 
hard, right? So sometimes those two things are bad because if you said to me, Miranda, I really want to start this business. I'm going to go full-fledged into this is all the things I found out for you, Maurice. You could start it, right? Then you don't do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, have wasted and spun my wheels in my mind. This, this is in my mind in my younger years. I've wasted my time. Right. What I didn't realize was that's also a gift. That's a gift of mine. That is who I am in my core that I want to see any dream of my friends, any desire of my friends, any desire of my family or even my enemies, people around me. Mm-hmm. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you chase that shit that's sitting right there in your heart that every day wakes you up and you kind of like, why am I not doing it? Why am I against this? Why am I fighting this one thing, this one piece of the wall yeah. that is just sitting there itching at you every day right it ain't crumbling nothing Nothing. it's sitting there until you do something about it so i'm gonna just go ahead and support that if you tell me that's why i tell people all the time now now at this age don't tell me you want to do something if you're not not really ready because i'm going to push you to do it Mm -hmm. and it's gonna be uncomfortable because i push myself to be uncomfortable i don't know how to be any other way right i don't want to be any other way that's good we need that yeah my belief system is always be uncomfortable right because that's where growth is the minute we get complacent and we get comfortable we stop growing yep and then the minute you stop growing you're dead right you see old people when they start working it's over they get old real fast and you're like no just go back to be a Walmart greeter I don't care what you do 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 something do something and so yeah, no, I, I mean, I, there's so many, so many things that I know people can do. And that's the reason why it's so beautiful to watch this world mm-hmm. every day and to see even the young and the old and the people that are just like, I mean, I'm watching right now. I've been reading about like 50 and 60 year olds, like taking just this new chance in life yeah. and just a whole new set of life. Like awesome. what am I? What? Yeah. That they're doing and creating and producing. And I, I've heard stories of 50, 60 year olds who have been poor or broke their whole life, raised the family, did everything. And then all of a sudden they created a business, struck wealth right. never before. Right. Out of nowhere. And what's interesting is I don't think that there's been an, another time or error where we've had or we have the opportunities to do those types of things. Yeah. They existed. I mean, people right. did great things back in the day, but I think it's more prevalent now. Yeah. To see that kind of expansion yep. from the young and the old. It's so beautiful. And you see people be innovative. Yeah. Because you're forced to, right? Yeah. You're, you're forced to, or you're forced to finally succumb to that passion that's itching at you. I was reading an article yesterday about these two women who have not received their pay because of the situation going on with the government. And um, she has always wanted to bake cheesecakes. Now she's selling cheesecakes. It's been a dream of hers forever. But because she hasn't been paid, she had to figure out a way. She went straight to that one wall that's been sitting there, ain't crumbled, and them cheesecakes are selling like hotcakes. Yeah. That's funny. But (laughs) I love it. Right? And I love that. I think that's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I tell my daughter all the time, because she's going to be 18, right? I'm like, there is no limit. There is no limit to what you are able to experience right now. Nothing. I said, when I was your age, nobody could tell me nothing. Every single week I had a new job. Yeah. My friends thought it was funny. Where's Miranda working now? Nike Town, Circuit yeah. City, the Kodak. <laughs> I worked everywhere. There's not one Fortune 500 company in LA during the 90s that I probably didn't work at. Because right. I was like, oh, what? You're telling me I get to experience all these things because I want to? Huh. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah. You, now you're telling me I can get on a plane and go wherever I want? I'm going to definitely do it. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. So. You are <laughs> an exceptional leader. What is a leader to you? A leader to me is someone 
who supports the people that they lead. And by support, you mean? Meaning, my dad told me when I was really young, you could be rich and you could have all the things in the world, but if you're at the top alone, it's no fun, right? You don't get to enjoy it. So if I'm leading and other people are watching me and doing these things, I'm supposed to go back and help them, right? But yep. then if they see me go back and help them, they're naturally inclined, which I hope, to go back and help somebody else. So in my mind, a leader is someone you not only follow, but you learn how to become a leader yourself so that other people, you can help other people that are following you. Because somebody, somebody is watching everybody, yeah. right? It doesn't matter if you have the natural ability to be a leader or a follower. Someone, even as a follower, someone is watching you. Sure. You're always, someone's always leading, always. Well, that brings me to my next question. So how long should one follow before they can begin to lead? I don't know if there's even a time frame because you may be leading whatever it is you're good at. Yeah. Right? So I don't know if Possibly. you... But yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know... There, I, I feel like you follow... Everyone follows in certain aspects, right? So I'm not some, you know expert writer so I'm following someone in order to learn how to become that right but I'm a leader in all of these I can be a leader in all of these other things yeah so we're always kind of just we're depending on both we're always doing both I think in order to be a leader you can't have such an ego that you're not willing to teach what you know that made you a leader That's if you're not willing to teach what you know you're just being a little butt. Yeah. And I want to cuss. <laughs> just being a little fucking asshole. <laughs> and I know so many people that do that. That they're like so, you know, tight to the vet. To, to the, uh, keep it so tight to the vest. And I'm like, why? Sphere. Like, if all you have is knowledge, in which most leaders do, they have so much knowledge. And then you're not willing to share it. What What are you doing? Where, where's the wealth in that knowledge? Where is the riches in that knowledge? If you have never shared it, it's like holding a pot of gold and then you never spend it. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to spend the gold. Right. So I'm going to share yeah. the gold. People are always like, Miranda will give you anything. She'll take sure, you anywhere right. with you. If you want to go and learn something and I'm going to learn it, I'm going to tell you. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's up to you to get in the car. Right. Because we're going to go, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to sit there, and you're going to be like, oh, I should have. Oh, well, that's all. Yeah. But I'm, I am want to give away everything. I want to give away every single bit of who I am to everybody so that you they can say, I learned this. Mm -hmm. And then I hope, in turn, I learned something from them. Two more questions. Got you. In the same vein of this leadership discussion, what mm -hmm. makes a leader great and iconic? What makes a leader? I guess it would be whatever they leave behind. Um, if if I passed away and I didn't leave behind some uh, if I didn't leave behind something with every person that I know I I feel like I would be remissing and enjoying what I lived, you know, like the life that I had lived. So in order for me to be iconic and great is I don't want to not leave every single person that I'm, that I interact with, with something. Mm -hmm. So if I, if, if I'm around a child, I want to hear them. I want them to say she heard me or she saw me. Or I remember when I met this woman, you know, and she told me this, this, and this. If I'm with my friends, I want at the end of the day my friends to be like, Miranda was like the greatest friend. I could, she could listen to me. I could call her. I could do this. My family, I want them to know, hey, I'm a great sister. I'm a great daughter. We all fail, right? But yeah. I want them to know who I was, what I gave back, what I created, what I was able to create, what I just, 
I feel like that's any leader. Like if Oprah leaves this world, you know she left you with so many different things. Mm -hmm. So many different things she took a chance on. And now you as as the next person coming up knows that you could take a chance on them or you could right, go after right. that same thing. It's so weird to me that in 2019 we still have a lot of firsts happening. Yeah. So in my mind, it it's only the first time it's being broadcast because it can't just be a first, mm -hmm. right? It's weird. There's nothing new. Not even stories. Stories aren't new. They're just told differently, yeah. right? So I feel like in order to be iconic enough, it has to be memorable. And if I don't leave you with a memory, a good memory, hopefully a good memory. There's some people I would like to leave with a bad memory of me, but... <laughs> It's got to be those those things that you say. I want like a line out the door at my funeral. Man, I remember when me and Miranda did this. <laughs> All the times, right? Right, right. That to me is iconic because I left you with something that stayed in your heart. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what an iconic leader is, is that they create something so much bigger than themselves that it lasts for generations and generations, time and time again. You can, you can go back to it. You can feed on it. If I... If Kylie grows up and says, my mom taught me to be a compassionate person, right? Mm -hmm. She taught me that my happiness is responsible, that I'm responsible for my own happiness, that I'm responsible for my dreams, my goals, all of those things. If she says that, man, I, hands down, I won, right? Yes. If my friends and family say she supported me in everything I wanted to do, I won. Like, that's iconic enough. Yeah. But let's say it's a stranger, Man, I remember you said this online and I follow you. And it changed the way I looked at the world. Or it changed yeah. the, the, the thought process in my head for that one mo moment, one day. That's iconic enough. Mm -hmm. If somebody says, man, did you know Miranda? I love when people say that. You know Miranda? And I'll always be like, Miranda, Miranda, or Miranda Bowden, Miranda right. Parker. Which one? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> It's so beautiful because I was memorable enough. I love people that are memorable. I love them. Sweet. I love meeting them. Yeah, same here. <laughs> same here. Last question. Okay. So I call this the blank canvas question. Okay. All right. So you have this blank canvas. You have all the colors that you want and need before you. Mm -hmm. Money's off the table, meaning you have enough of it. It doesn't matter or it's just not even necessary. Okay. All right. So on this canvas, you can paint your life, architect your life in any kind of way. Okay. What do you paint? I guess I would paint a heart. I would paint a big old red heart. And that represents? Love. And I, in every aspect of love, whatever it is, romantic, um, relationship, love, passion, you know, your desires, anything, anything where love is present. I think you have to love everything that you do. Mm -hmm. And even in the even the stuff you hate to do if you if there is some form or semblance of love in your energy that you're putting towards it it's never going to feel like ugh i'm going to just die from this right mm -hmm. like even working out i love the end because i feel good right right, right. so but it's, it's hard to do it <laughs> But I love the end because I feel good. I feel like I got some energy, you know, mm -hmm. body's taking shape, whatever. I hate it, but I love it so much, right? right. I hate the dirty work of writing where you got to clean it all up, yes. use the right there, there, and there, you, you, and your, you know, right, all that right. stuff. Because it's just so, that's so tedious. Mm -hmm. But I love it because it ends up being so, something so beautiful, right? I hate the fact that you argue with friends and family and all of that stuff. But at the same time, you learn more about yourself in those moments because of the way that you reacted to it, right? Okay. You, you just have to love everything about what you're doing. And so if I looked at my life, love is probably where most of my decisions and choices have come from even if they've been wrong mm -hmm. or at the end of the day i can say "Ooh, that sucked i know that i did it with full, a full light heart okay if i'm doing anything with half of my heart 
I I guarantee you I know up front it's gonna suck. I, I know right. up front it's not right. gonna be good. And I'm I mean and I'll admit it to myself before I even do it, like man, I really don't wanna do this. But I'm gonna do it. But I know I'm only giving fifty percent and that's I don't want nobody to give me fifty percent. Yeah. That's such a horrible feeling in it anything. It really Somebody is. give you fifty percent or ten percent, you like just keep it. So then the question remains like why we should all be giving ourselves a hundred percent love. There's a meme that goes around that says, if I ask you, what do you love? How long would it take you to say yourself? It is the, what are the things that you love or something like that? Mm -hmm. It is probably the most important meme saved in my phone because it is never, it's never, we never say, I love myself. Right. We always say, well, I love my family, my friends, my Yeah, we name all these answers. Right. And then you'd be like, well, what about you? And then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love me, too. No, you don't. Most people don't. That's why yeah. the the theme for the last two years has been self-care. Mm-hmm. All that is is just taking back, like, it's just self-love, right? right? It's just taking care of yourself. That's why we see so many depressed people. And that's because they forgot what they offer to themselves. It's, yeah. it's We're such a hell-bent society on other people, like, um patting us on the back or mm-hmm. giving us accolades and affirmations and all of these things and then you're like I could do that myself yeah I really could it's but so I don't know if I would listen to myself in certain moments <laughs> and that's weird right <laughs> trust <laughs> I don't want to trust myself so how can people find you how can they get your book how can they help <laughs> You can help me by cash apping me. No, this point. <laughs> cash app her. Donations All for right. projects. Speaking of which, tell the people what you're currently working on, what they have to look forward to, if you want, if you can. Yeah. Um, well, I'm working. I'm learning from the greats. Okay. Let's say that. I'm learning from some a pretty amazing people. Uh-huh. Um, writers and the likes, right? And um, I'm working on a horror movie and some documentaries and some other webisodes and things like that mm-hmm. um it's gonna be awesome i mean yeah. i'm just working right yeah. i'm trying to and do do all of that stuff um i'm on instagram i'm i am miranda bowden That's i great. am i am underscore miranda bowden um and my book can be found on Amazon. You can just type in Miranda Bowden or you can type in Caitlin, which is C-A-I-T-L-I-N. Um, and then you can read the horrible review and spam them people. <laughs> um, and and leave a great review. Leave yourself. a great review. Do that. I might send you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> um and I'm on Facebook. I have who is she? I mean, who is Caitlin on Facebook? I have a page for that. Um, I ha- also have a page, Urban Socialite, um, and then we have the Black Nomad um, travel and retail stuff, like for black travelers. Is there a website for that? Yeah, and that's B L C K underscore Nomad. Um, and because we're always traveling, we're always going on trips. So anybody can get in on that. Anybody can get in on that. Want to get your travel game up? Go yes. To Black Nomad. Yes, and they'll start to post uh, travel stuff there. But they also have we also have retail, you know. So you're wearing it because there's so many black travelers now. Yes. We want people to get out there and give each other that head nod, yeah. um, which is awesome. And then um, just stay tuned. I'm always there. I'm, I'm always out there. You want to get to know me. You want to DM me because you want to write to, yeah. or you know, you have a production that's going on that you need Miranda to show up to so that I can become famous. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, she doesn't know you guys. She's going to be part of my editing for my book. I'm in. A hundred percent in. <laughs> and then stay tuned for our big podcast reveal that yep. uh, we're working it's on. Yeah, it's, it's coming. coming. It's going to be fun. Yay. Thank you. Thank you, Maurice. Love you, Love and, you too. Um, <laughs> Over and out. Projects. Speaking of which, tell the people what you're currently working on, what they have to look forward to, if you want, if you can. Yeah. Um, well, I'm working. I'm learning from the greats. Okay. Let's say that. I'm learning from some a pretty amazing people. Uh-huh. Um, writers and the likes, right? And um, I'm working on a horror movie. 
and some documentaries and some other webisodes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be awesome. I mean, yeah. I'm just working, right? Yeah. I'm trying to and do do all of that stuff. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm, I am Miranda Bowden. That's I real. am. I am underscore Miranda Bowden. Um, and my book can be found on Amazon. You can just type in Miranda Bowden or you can type in Caitlin, which is C-A-I-T-L-I-N. Um, and then you can read the horrible review and spam them people. <laughs> um, and... And leave a great review. Leave yourself. a great review. Do that. I might send you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm on Facebook. I have who is she? I mean, who is Caitlin on Facebook? I have a page for that. Um, I have also have a page, Urban Socialite. Um, and then we have the Black Nomad um, travel and retail stuff, like. For black travelers. Is there a website for that? Yeah, and that's B-L-C-K underscore nomad. Um, And because we're always traveling. We're always going on trips. So anybody can get in on that. Anybody can get in on that. you want to get your travel game up, go to black nomad. Yes, and they'll start to post uh, travel stuff there. But they also have, we also have retail, you know, so you're wearing it. Because there's so many black travelers now. We want people to get out there and give each other that head nod, um, which is awesome. And then um, just stay tuned. I'm always there. I'm I'm always out there. You want to get to know me. You want to DM me because you want to write to. Or, you know, you have a production that's going on that you need Miranda to show up to so that I can become famous. But she Um, doesn't know you guys. She's going to be part of my editing for my book. I'm in. 100% A hundred percent in, and then stay tuned for our big podcast reveal that yep. uh, we're working on. Yeah, it's, it's coming. coming. It's gonna be fun. Yay! Thank you. Thank you, Maurice. Love you, love and, you too. Um, <laughs> over and out. What a way to kick off 2019! I feel truly blessed and honored to have Miranda as my friend. Learning how to challenge and grow myself. Using fear was enough for me to change my whole life around. I hope her story inspires and moves you to action. Use your strengths and weaknesses to guide you to a more abundant life. Remember to recognize the leader that lives within. Take charge and lead up.